Well, uh, a couple things I want to clarify. So for the youth, they, they actually don't need TVs if you have a TV. They've got that covered, but they need furniture. So if you have a, a couch or like a big comfy armchair type thing, they would love to take that off your hands for you. Um, outside of that, guys, I'm going to plug the picnic again. I know he did a really good job, but October 23rd, we have our church picnic. We are going to have burgers, hot dogs. We're going to grill. We're going to spend some time just hanging out. Uh, like he said, we played some wiffle ball. We played some frisbee type game, and we had a lot of fun last year. Uh, Jake kept blaming me for not throwing a frisbee well, even though I'm pretty sure it was him, but just saying. Uh, but please, if you can be there for that, if you can come on that weekend, come be a part of that. It's a great time, like I said, a fellowship with your brothers and sisters here at church, and, and it's just a good time to be able to get together and, and hang out. Uh, with that being said, uh, we are continuing Joseph's story today. Now, there is a famous economist. His name, <laughs> those two things don't really go well together. Not <laughs> A well-known economist named Thomas Sowell. And he has a quote that says, when you want to help people, you tell them the truth. When you want to help yourself, you tell them what they want to hear. I'm going to say that again. When you want to help people, you tell them the truth. But when you want to help yourself, you tell them what they want to hear. As we continue to study Joseph, we started with his story. While he's at home, he's struggling in his relationship with his brothers. He's struggling to overcome favoritism that his father has showed him. Then we travel with him to Potiphar's house where he was sold as a slave. And because of what God had done for him in his life, he was put in charge of many things at Potiphar's house. And then he faced some false accusations from Potiphar's wife. And that ended up with him being in prison, and that's where we find him today. So we're going to pick up the story where we find Joseph in prison. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 40. We'll look at a quick verse in 41, but we're going to spend the majority of our time right then and there. The one thing that we have learned about Joseph to this point is that he is a man of integrity. As the saying goes, come hell or high water, Joseph is going to try to do the right thing. He's going to try to be truthful, even if it costs him, even if it leads to him being imprisoned, even if it leads to him being sold in slavery. Uh, he's going to try to be a man of integrity, sometimes even to a fault, because he shares things that maybe he quite shouldn't share yet. But we know, we have learned that he is a truthful individual. And so we find him in Genesis chapter 40, like I said, in prison. And it goes a little something like this. Chapter 1 through 8, or chapter 40, verse 1 through 8. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Now, that's not a good thing, in case you're wondering. To offend the pharaoh of Egypt, the king of Egypt, uh, is not going to bring you good things. And as we see, it doesn't because it says that Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. So that's a really nice way of saying that he imprisoned them. Okay. He imprisoned them. Maybe they weren't quite experiencing the same conditions that the lowly prisoners were because they were still the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, but they were imprisoned. That was their punishment. And it says in uh, verse 4 that the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them. So, hey, they're still being served. They're still being waited on here in prison. And after they'd been in custody for some time, we don't know how long that was. We know it was longer than a few days, less than their entire lives. But as they'd been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker, 
of the king of Egypt who were being held in prison had a dream the same night. Not the same dream, separate dreams. Each dream had a meaning of its own. So the next morning, this is verse 6, when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. He could tell that they were hurting. He'd been waiting on them for days now, maybe weeks. He'd been serving them every single day. And he could tell that today something was different. They were in prison, so I have a feeling that they probably weren't in the greatest of moods anyways. But he could tell specifically today that they were troubled. And so Joseph goes to them and he asks Pharaoh's officials, this is verse 7, who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. We both had, oh, I just read that. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. We're going to stop right there for a moment. And the first thing that we're going to learn from this passage that Joseph teaches us here as we continue is that we should not lie to protect people's feelings. Don't lie to protect people's feelings. It's something that we all do, right? We see somebody's having a hard day. We know that they're troubled about something. And maybe we just think it's harmless. A little white lie, make them feel better about their circumstances. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, we just want you to, to, to feel well. Right? And here comes Joseph, and he sees these two, as the Bible says, dejected men, men who are filled with sorrow, and they've undergone quite the fall, all the way from Pharaoh's house to prison. Joseph knows a little something about that, about being in a favored position only to find yourself in something completely opposite. Now, we don't know why they're there. We don't know what they've done. We don't know if they deserve it or don't. But they have fallen from the highest house in Egypt, and here they are in prison. And they're upset about these dreams that they had. They're, guys, troubled, dejected. It's not just, oh, we're worried. I want to think you to think about times where you have just been overcome with anxiety, where you're in a situation that you don't see an answer to, and you don't know the outcome, and you're just worried and it is controlling your thoughts and it's controlling your attitude and it's controlling your outlook on life that's what these men are going through and joseph happens to just be the right guy you see he has a little experience with dreams a little bit of experience with dreams and he has faith in god that god will be able to interpret these dreams for these individuals and so he says tell me your dreams Tell me your dreams. We learned two things about Joseph. First, he expresses his faith in God, and that will play out a little later, and we'll get back to that. And I want you to think about Joseph, even in this time, as he expresses his faith in God. God can give you the answer to these dreams. God can provide a way for you to, to hopefully ease your troubled mind or at least tell you what these dreams mean. After everything that Joseph has been through, sold into slavery, wrongfully accused and imprisoned. He holds tight to his faith. And he also remains tethered to the truth. He remains tethered to the truth. So let's continue in verse 9. It says, The chief cupbearer told Joseph in his dream, he said to him, In my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed. And its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, and I squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup in his hand. 
This is what it means, Joseph said to him. There are the three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show kindness. And mention me to Pharaoh to get me out of this prison. I'm going to read verse 14 again because it's important. When all goes well with you, when what I have told you is about to happen, don't forget about me. Tell Pharaoh about me so that you can lift me up out of my circumstance. In verse 15, he even tells him, I was forcefully carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. What do those last two verses tell us about Joseph? They tell us that he hasn't lost hope. He hasn't lost hope. You know, oftentimes we find ourselves in situations and, and we're just resigned to the fact that everything's going to fail. Well, here we go again. This is just how my life works. It's not going to work out for me. This situation's going to fail. I'm not going to get the job. Or I've got friends turning their backs at me again. Things just aren't going the way I want. Here I am sick again. Here I am ill again. Here I am struggling to pay bills again. It's just not going to go well. Joseph, man, who was not just high in his father's household, was at the highest point that he could be in his father's household, loved beyond all of his brothers, exalted, right? Then he is accused of rape. Then he finds himself in a dungeon where he continues to be a servant. He had every reason to lose hope. He had every reason to be resigned to the fact that this is just what his life was now destined to be. But he didn't. And he expresses that hope, the hope that goes together with his faith that he has in a God to pull him out of his circumstances by asking this individual to remember him when he gets to escape his circumstances. And can you imagine how hard that must have been for Joseph to be struggling, to be in this position that he did not deserve to be in, to now have to forecast someone else's future and tell them that soon you're going to be out of this place. You're going to be restored. You will again be the chief cupbearer in Pharaoh's, house, in Pharaoh's household. How tough that must have been. And yet his hope remains. We cannot lose hope in times of trouble. It's easy. It's easy. But we have to remain true to who our God is and to how he has worked in our lives in the past and maintain our hope. And we continue in verse 16 with the chief baker. It says that the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation to the cupbearer. And he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. Can you, I want you to hear his excitement. I want you to hear his excitement. He just heard this interpretation. It was a good one. He is pumped. I too had a dream. Tell me what mine means. And so he goes, on my head were three baskets of bread 
In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. And Joseph said, hey, this is what this means. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head. See, the cupbearer gets, Pharaoh will lift your head. Think about chin down, sulking. He will lift your head. You will be restored. This guy gets the, <laughs> Pharaoh will lift off your head. Okay? That word off, that's a big difference. It's a big difference. It's a drastically different outcome. This interpretation already not going well for him. He says, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole and the birds will eat away your flesh. As it continues in verse 20, it says, The third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials, and he lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hands. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. He forgot him. So here's Joseph. He delivers these two interpretations. They come out to be exactly as he said they would be. Joseph, a kind man, a godly man, somebody who I would assume does not want to cause others pain, especially unjustly, has an opportunity with the chief baker to tell a little white lie. He knew what it meant. I didn't mean that the baker had to know what was coming. It'd be really tough to sit there for three days knowing that you're about to possibly have your head removed. To have to sit there for three days and know that you're going to be impaled. To have to sit there for three days and find out that your body is going to become bird food. It wouldn't be an easy thing to have to go through. Joseph could have spared him. But his integrity, as we will find, is what ends up saving him. Telling the truth, even when it was uncomfortable. Being honest, even though he knew it would be hurtful. Being willing to, to have the backbone to share something that might have returned further punishment on him. Because if we remember as we've already talked about, he was serving these two individuals in prison. Yes, they were all in prison, but, but Joseph was the servant of these two men. And the last time that he was a servant of somebody that he was truthful to, that he did the right thing for, he ended up being accused of rape, wrongfully, and it got him in prison. So what if the baker doesn't like his interpretation? And yes, even though imprisoned, still being served, decides... I'm going to get back here at Joseph. You ever been in a situation where you're afraid to tell the truth? You're afraid to have the conversation. You're afraid to tell somebody how you really feel because maybe the repercussions for you are not going to be good. And so maybe I'll just tell a little white liar. Maybe I just won't tell the full truth. Maybe I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes to protect my hide. But for Joseph... Being a man of integrity, telling the truth, 
holding on to those godly qualities that he had been raised with was more important to him than sparing this man's feelings. And while that may seem harsh, while it may seem harsh, I would argue with you that it is more loving to be truthful, to be a person of integrity, to show yourself as someone that others can count on than it is to lie to spare their feelings. In the end, you will be appreciated more for the fact that people know that they can rely on you and trust you than them knowing, well, they'll at least try to make me feel good. I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. I always appreciate people who are going to be honest with me. Some of my closest friends are the ones who will tell me that I'm being an idiot. Some of my closest friends are the ones who will tell me exactly how they feel because I would rather be around those people who I don't have to guess with, who I don't have to wonder with, than around somebody who, oh, everything's cheery all the time, but then the minute I turn the corner, they're talking bad about me to somebody else. Integrity, truthfulness, these are characteristics of a godly man and a godly woman. This is what we are supposed to represent so Joseph teaches us here that doing what's right is always better than doing whatever it takes. Doing whatever it takes. So often we find ourselves in situations and we want to do whatever it takes to get out of them. Regardless of what it costs us, regardless of what light it may end up showing us in, regardless of what light it may end up showing God in, I am in a bad situation. I am in a, a place that I don't want to be and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get out of it. If I have to lie, if I have to cheat, if I have to steal, I'll do it because I just don't want to deal with this anymore. But doing what's right is always better than doing whatever it takes. What it comes down to is answering the question, what is your integrity worth? What is your integrity worth? To Joseph, his freedom, his return to fortune, his ability to spare himself any more pain and suffering were not as important as his integrity. We often find ourselves in situations in life where we have to choose between being truthful and ridding ourselves of suffering. And for many, it's understandable, if not acceptable, to do whatever it takes in those times to overcome. Especially in the name of comfort or peace. Joseph, faced with an unfavorable interpretation, could have sought to ease the pain of this individual, as we already stated. But he chose truth. His faith in God, his hope in God, his desire for truth outweighed any want for self-restoration. His actions express his faith. And as we will see, it's his faith that saves him. We're going to go to Genesis 41. It's verses 9 through 13. And this happens right after Pharaoh has had some dreams of his own. And he's troubled by them because he does not know what they mean. So his cupbearer speaks. It says, the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today, I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants 
And he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. And each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now, there was a young Hebrew. This is conversational, so I want it to feel conversational. There was a young Hebrew, and he was in there with us, and he, he was a servant of the captain of the guard, and he told us our dreams. He told us what they mean. He interpreted them for us. He gave each man an interpretation of his dream. Here's the important part. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. The most important part of those verses is that things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. See, it's Joseph's faith, it's his hope. It's his integrity that saves him because as you'll find if you continue to read in Genesis 41, what happens to Joseph is that he is placed in a position of power in Egypt that puts him only second to Pharaoh. Do you think he ever would have gotten there had he spared the chief baker's feelings? Do you think he ever would have gotten there if he just told that little white lie to protect that individual do you think the cupbearer who was placed in prison for doing wrong to pharaoh would have taken the chance to present joseph to him if only his story came true what inspired confidence was that it was exactly how he said it would be for both of us he told me one thing, he told him one thing, and that is how it happened. That is how it happened. You see, faith allows for integrity in the face of trials. Faith allows for integrity in the face of trials. At the end of the day, Joseph believed, he knew that God was going to provide. After all, it's God who interprets the dreams. It was God who took him from a place of slavery in Potiphar's house. And because of God, he was placed in a position of power. And it's because of God that Joseph is about to find himself, as I said, second only to Pharaoh in the land of Egypt. His faith allowed for his integrity to flourish in times where he could have taken things into his own hands. So often when we find ourselves in those situations where we will do whatever it takes to get out of them, our lack of integrity appears because our lack of faith is there. Think about that. So often, the reason that we come up short is because we don't have faith in God to get us where we need to go. In times of trouble, in times of suffering, in times of pain, and in times of anguish, 
It's got to be our faith that helps us stand firm. When everything else feels like it's crumbling. In whatever situation you feel like you're crumbling in, be truthful. Don't lose hope. Do the right thing. And live in the certainty of your faith. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for today, for, for the time of worship that we've had, both in song and in word. Lord, may your scripture resonate with all of us. May the lessons that we are able to take from Joseph today fill us and change the way that we live our lives. God, we need to be, we have to be people of integrity as followers of God. People need to know that they can trust what we say. Because at the end of the day, we have to tell people that all have sinned. That they have sinned. That we have sinned. And that the wages of those sin, the payments for those sins, is death. But, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And if we want them to believe those words, then they need to believe us in all matters. They need to know that our word is good. They need to be able to balance our witness against the rest of our actions and the rest of our deeds. And if we walk around all the time trying to tell those little white lies, whether it be to spare people's feelings or improve our standing, we turn ourselves into individuals who can't be trusted and we turn you into a God that cannot be trusted. And that is the furthest thing from what you are. If we remain strong in our faith, if we don't lose hope, you prevail. Time and time and time and time again, you prevail. And you can be trusted. And you will provide. God, if there's anything that is getting in the way of us showing the world that that is who you are, take it from us. Convict us of it. Change our hearts. Change our minds. Change our souls. We ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Jake, will you stand back in that corner right over here? And Jericho, I'm going to ask you, will you go stand under TV over there? I know you weren't expecting this. And I wasn't expecting to do it, so forgive me. Jake is here and Jericho will be over there. I will be up here. If you need somebody to pray with, will you come see one of us? Maybe you don't like coming up in front of everybody. I understand that. Maybe you're more comfortable going off to the side. But if there's something you need to pray about today, whatever it may be, 
Don't leave this place without doing that. Again, it's an expression of faith. It's an expression of hope that you have in God, that he is not only able, but willing to work in your circumstances. If there's anything that's bothering you, nothing too big, nothing too small, come see one of us and let's lay it at the feet of Jesus. Let's pray for you on your behalf and let's seek God in those situations. If you're somebody out there today that doesn't know Jesus, doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, would not consider yourself a Christian and you want to have that discussion, let's have it before you leave or let's set up a time to go have coffee. But let's have that conversation. Otherwise, right now, this is the perfect opportunity for you to stand and for you to worship and for you to just give an offering of thanks to God.